Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey. <laughs> I feel like it's Pat. I'm in like something that looks like Pat right now from Saturday Night Live. But anyway, uh, I've got Matthew Roy Rodriguez on this week. And I had him on because he's he's going to be entering into the world of education. And also he, like, I don't know. There it is. Abrupt end. He listens to the podcast. Mm, weird. It's so crazy. Like, there are people that listen to this. But, um, and uh, I had a blast talking to him. I've met him now. Actually, since we've recorded this, we've had T-Tech. And he came to T-Tech, so I got to see him there. I didn't talk to him very much. Uh, but he seemed to be rather busy as you should be at T-Tech and running around, going to different workshops and all that kind of good stuff. And he's entering into this world. He's not yet quite fully into this world, uh, of theater education, but he kind of is in a way, uh, and we get into that, but, uh, he's been at the Carmia theater. Um, and I'm butchering how you say that cause it's, it should be said with a, very uh uh with with a dialect with a with a a a hispanic kind of tinge twinge tinge is it twinge or i don't know but it should have a uh obviously not a jewish white german man's um take on it so uh but he has been with them for quite some time and uh is now gonna dive into the world of education and i it's a different perspective, you know, it's a, it's, it is, it's a perspective similar to the students that I have at the University of Houston, but also he's got years and years and years of professional experience and, uh, and even some experience in education, just not like immersed in one classroom where you teach the same kids for 180 days. Right. So, um, super excited to have talked to him. I will say, uh, this is the last interview I have in the can. So, um, I will do my very best to get, uh, interviews done over the next couple of days and weeks. Uh, I know I've got some planned for spring break, which is not for another month or so. Uh, but you know, this, this may be a little bit of a break. It may not, it may not. I may, I'm going to reach out to some people and see what I can do and see if I have time to, if we, our schedules can match up. Uh, I don't want to say I don't have time. I just don't may not have the same time as other people, right? So uh, we are heavy into UIL one act play season, and I had the fortune. Now I've I've uh, shat on my daughter uh, yesterday. Asked me what shat if shat's a bad word. <laughs> and I said, well, I mean you don't want to like say to your teacher like I just shat, but uh, it's one that I'll let you get away with, right? Anyway, but um, I have shat on some. Uh, situations that I have seen over the past couple of weeks at different schools and different places. Uh, but I want to praise one. So, and I'll name this one because it's a praise, but I went to Bel Air high school, uh, yesterday as I'm recording this and, uh, worked on getting their lighting ready for, um, UIL one act play. They're hosting, not getting it ready for their show, just getting it ready for hosting just for the record there. I'm also the contest manager for that space, so I do have a little bit of invested interest. But um, uh, everything was great. You know, the the one negative has nothing to do with them, and that is that the plot was hung by people that don't know how to hang the plot, like initially, because it's a brand new space. 
Um, and so some people came in and said, here's your lighting package. We're going to hang it for you. And they just hung stuff. Right. And I didn't have the kind of time to just, uh, cause when I go in and completely rehang a theater, I like to strip everything down, take everything off and, uh, and then go from there. Right. And the only reason I didn't do that, I could have done that with front of house, but I didn't do it over the over stage because it was a counterweight system. Um, if it was a wench system, I would have done it. It would have been rather simple. But with a counterweight system, if you strip everything down, obviously you have to strip the arbor, um, especially when you have that much weight, like you could tie it off, but uh, not with that much weight. I wouldn't be comfortable with it. But so it would take some time, right? Uh, not time that I had. So I, I made do with what, what they had hung and it wasn't bad. Um, and they have decent instrumentation. They actually, they don't have source force. What? And they don't even have all LEDs. What? Uh, they have the strand package and I'm not going to lie. Uh, the strand lights <clears throat> that they created, their Lico's, um, I like more than a source four. I really do. Um, I just, they just seem like a better light. Uh, it's a better piece of technology and again it's just an incandescent light but i really liked it a lot more uh than the source 4 and i've used them before this wasn't my first time but uh they also you know tied up some cables and they uh they just kept everything up nothing was dirty and gross and uh so kudos to the staff at bel air high school um it's you know i like going into spaces where i don't have to say shame on you tis tisk and i didn't have to do that here it was uh, a well-kept space. Uh, it's a really nice space actually, because the whole school, I want to say the schools, the school itself has been around for like almost a hundred years. It's been around for a long time, maybe not that long, but probably 80 at least. <clears throat> and, um, they just completely tore it down and built a brand new one. And they did all that while not leaving the school. Like they built the new one while the old one was still there. And they, it was a very, it was just a well done process. I thought, I'm sure people on the inside are like, you know, this was wrong and that was wrong. But um, from the outside, because my sister, my mother went there. My sister lives near the school. So I've been able to witness it at least from the outside. So uh, well done to Bel Air High School and whoever kind of playing that one. So I will say it does look very sterile inside. You look like it looks like you're in a hospital. They haven't really decorated it yet, but, you know, it is that it doesn't smell like a hospital. That's good. And there's nobody dying at Bel Air High School. So that's uh, good too. So anyway, uh, moving on from that. <clears throat> also this week, so last week, my daughter's had strep and their symptoms were stomach aches. And so I started getting a stomach ache and I thought, rut row. And uh, I just thought I'd plow through because I'm not a medication type of guy. <laughs> it's not, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any means, but I, I, um, I think I'm afraid of medication, not because of what it, you know, what it does, what it, what it's meant to do, but it's the schedule. Like now, oh man, I forgot to take my medic, you know, like that kind of thing. It has nothing to do with medication helping me, which just sounds stupid. I know, but, um, I, I'd never, I didn't go to the doctor. And then finally it wasn't so much a stomach ache as it was a, uh, like just an, a. Uh, a nagging feeling inside my tums. So I finally went to an urgent care. They weren't very helpful. Uh, then I made an appointment of a teledoc, if you will. 
I think they call it telemedicine at Kelsey Seabold. Got a referral for a GI, went to the GI, and the GI said, well, you got to go on the FODMAP diet for a little bit. <clears throat> um, the FODMAP diet is stressful AF, bruh. Uh, I think once I get the ball rolling, it'll be fine. But I'm on this FODMAP diet. If you don't know what it is, look it up. But there are things you can't have because your, dotty, your, dotty, your body doesn't uh, break it down as easily. And so, like, when you're on the FODMAP diet, you you're supposed to cut out a ton of stuff um, and then you reintroduce piece by piece, food by food to figure out what it is that bothers you. And if you start having a little tummy ache, don't eat apples. If you start having a tummy ache, don't eat cauliflower. You know, there are different things like that. And it really sucks, uh, especially now that my entire family is vegetarian and a ton of vegetables and fruits are high in FOD. So you can't eat that stuff. It's very much a crackers, cheese, meat, potato type of diet. And, uh, well, my family doesn't eat meat. So uh, it's really tough. Uh, and we'll make it work. You know, we shall overcome. But uh, it's going to be uh, a rough a rough couple of weeks while I, while I get on this diet and then re- start reintroducing things that I, my body will tolerate. Now, it may not be FOD, uh, but we're going to try that for now, okay? Enough about me. Um, let's talk about Matthew Roy Rodriguez. Uh, I left in, sometimes the people will say their name right at the beginning, and I cut that out. I left this in out of kind of, a, I don't know if it's respect. I don't know what it is, but he says his name in his the, the way it's supposed to be said because, again, uh, I'm big on, you know, if you have a student in your class and you're saying their name wrong, get it right, right? Don't continue to say their name wrong. Um, if it's, you know, I, I, maybe I'm big on that because my daughter's Ava Lynn and they, uh, most people call her Evelyn because they're stupid. Um, and whatever. So I left his name in so that you can hear the way that it's supposed to be said, not Matthew Roy Rodriguez, right? Like a stupid white guy. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview it was fun for me. It was fun for him. Uh, I appreciate his uh, um, fandom of this podcast. Again, I hope I'm here next week <laughs> with you guys. If not, it'll be a couple weeks, and I will be back. And uh, Maybe I'll play some Backstreet Boys. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, have fun. It be, be safe this week. Klein ISD, glad you're out all week. Good for you. Uh, and enjoy this interview. Bye. My name is Matthew Roy Rodriguez, and I um, am bo- was born and raised in Brownsville, Texas. Uh, so for a lot of people that aren't familiar with the Lower Valley, um, I often tell them it's by South Padre Island, and then that light bulb goes off, and they go, oh, I know where that's at. Um, and then they realize, you know, now living in Dallas, like, that's a long drive. And I said, yep, it's a long drive to some authentic, you know, uh, Mexican uh, tacos um, here and there. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up in Brownsville. Um, I am um, the eldest of three children, which meant that there was always a lot of pressure kind of growing up to be uh, the best and to do the best. Um, I am a child of educators. Uh, my mom uh, was a school teacher for many years and then moved into the administration. Um, and then my dad 
um, has always kind of stayed working at the high school level as a um, a sports coach and a a history teacher, um, which is ironic because I do not like anything about sports and uh, football um, or baseball. Uh, in fact, the when the the few times I did play baseball, um, my coaches would get mad at me because I was looking at the ants um, uh, in the dirt. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I you know grew up um, in this kind of rich culture of 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 being Mexican and being brown, but uh, without kind of recognizing uh, the value of my culture, because in Brownsville and in the Lower Valley, it kind of felt like it was its own little, um, uh, you know, hub in itself, you know, its own kind of bubble. Uh, so it wasn't until I got older and started exploring, you know, different cities, uh, you know, Dallas, Washington, D.C., um, that I just kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, people that don't look like me in the in this world um, or sound like me. Um, so that was, you know, a great kind of way into starting uh, my uh, my curiosity of just of other cultures, but of just um, ways that we we kind of think and the ways that we kind of uh, approach each other. Um, so, you know, in, in middle school, um, so I, I started with band. Uh, so the kind of fine arts has always been um, around me. Um, and at the time, my mom was uh, the assistant principal at the high school that I ended up going to. Uh, and she was in charge of all of the, the different fine arts programs there. So in terms of like theater, choir, band, estudiantina, um, you know, I was kind of thrown into it from a very young age. So, you know, fine arts was always, you know, in kind of my blood since a very early age. Uh, and then eventually I went to that high school and I did the the fun balancing act of of doing theater and um, and marching band at the same time for all four years, uh, while also trying to be uh, the best at academics, um, because there's a weird kind of. Uh, you know, maybe it's because the the valley or, you know, our parents just always want the best for us. But there is this weird, uh, diff, you know, competition between all of the top students. Like, no, we need to be the top 10 students. We need to be the best, you know, that we can possibly be. Um, so managing all the different, you know, uh, extracurricular activities on top of my schoolwork was always um, a great kind of balancing act, which actually led me to... Um, I think be somewhat successful at the craziness that is my my world now. Um, so I, I graduated um, you know from from Brownsville and then I moved up to North Texas to attend the University of North Texas, um, where I obtained a Bachelor of Arts in theater performance. Um, I was very fortunate in my studies because I uh, was able to essentially knock out a full year of college. Um, so. I did a I did my undergrad in three years, um, you know, and I graduated at 20 years old. Um, and really, I kind of did really two and a half years of actual studying because that last semester, um, I essentially was getting professional, you know, full time school credit for uh, the work that I was doing professionally, you know, with, whether that was um, at the different local theater companies. Um, so on my kind of assistant directing, any kind of, uh, you know, work that I was doing, uh, working with educational departments, I was getting professional, you know, our three-hour credits. So for a lot of students, you know, they were having to take all these additional advanced hours in their undergrad, and I was just working 
like quite literally doing, you know, what I was putting my, you know, what I was studying. Um, so I graduated. Um, and then right away, I, I kind of had this idea that I wanted my fourth year of college, quote, call, what my, what would be my fourth year of college to be um, still training for me. So I took up an apprenticeship at the Cleveland Playhouse. Uh, so going from uh, South Texas to Dallas and then all the way to Cleveland, Ohio was a big kind of a cultural shift for me, especially when it came to snow and winter and just driving. Um, because all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's like October 1st and it's freezing over here. Uh, and then it was October like 20th and it's snowing. So uh, so that that was a big kind of uh, shock for me. Um, and it's another kind of task to kind of figure out. Um, and then I eventually... Uh, took on. Um, I, I was there for about nine months at, at the Cleveland Playhouse working in the education department. Uh, and then I took on a job uh, back in Texas in Dallas at Gadamia Theater Company, um, where I served as the um, associate. Art uh, oh my gosh, what was my title? Um, uh, artistic assistant and communications coordinator. Uh, so I did that for about three years. And then I transitioned into a role of um, um, associate artistic producer. Um, which more kind of leadership responsibility and more kind of producing on that end. Um, but, you know, through and through, I've been able to to see the growth of not only the organization, but just of myself um, and the way that we are, are reaching communities and actually, um, you know, doing the, the work that's intentional and meaningful, uh, which kind of led me to uh, now pursue a master's of science um, here at the University of North Texas. Um, it's a, a master's of science in digital communication analytics. And a lot of folks are like, why are you doing that? Um, and I, I kind of felt that, you know, going to school to either get a, a master's in, in arts administration um, people are like, you're, you know, some professionals were saying, you're already doing that. You know, you already have producers from Los Angeles and from New York on your phone, you know, which is what some people go to grad school for is to get those kind of connections or to get that kind of professional work or that next step. And I was doing that at, at 21 years old, you know, so, um, so the, my kind of reasoning for getting that, uh, for getting this degree is how we're reaching people, you know, um, I'll, 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 like I said, reaching um, people uh, that may not have experience in um, one culture, but just the fine arts, you know, is, is something that kind of drives me uh, just because it's something that I was exposed to at a very early age. And there's a, a value, you know, um, of, of that kind of work, um, which, you know, kind of leads me into, I think my, my next step of, of um, my life uh, which is uh, getting my alternate, alternative uh, teaching certification um, so that I can transition into the classroom. So I can kind of, you know, continue um, or share my, I uh, think my love of arts and culture and just um, work with the next generation of, of students. Man, uh, you seem to have your stuff together. So <laughs> very good. So I wrote down a few questions. First of all, you, you sort of, glossed over this but uh what was it about theater that attracted you like what uh you you just said i did it in high school along with marching band first of all what did you play in, in marching band i played the trombone oh, okay 
Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, and so, <laughs> so what was it about theater that, that, that grabbed you and, and then it ultimately turned you into a, a collegiate theater artist? What, what was it? Well, I, it, it ironically goes to the marching band. You know, in, in middle school, I was one of the top uh, performers. And then in high school, I realized, I was like, oh, there's like students that are really good at this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to focus my time on theater because that's where I was like, I know I, I'm, I'm good at this. You know, I felt that I was good and had a, a kind of um, a passion for it. Um, but, you know, I always say telling, you know, every story matters, not tell me why. Um, I think it's just the the matter of storytelling, but also uh, just the possibilities that theater creates um, that provides a platform that can be so imaginative um, or that can be so moving with its simplicity, you know, um, which I I guess can be kind of connected to anything. But um, with theater specifically, you know, I'm now able to see, um, you know, stories that, that I would have never been exposed to, you know, whether it's different, um, uh, backgrounds or just different experiences. What type of theater artist do you consider yourself to be? Um, I like taking a works that I don't know if they're necessarily um, classics, but um, uh, kind of stripping things away, yeah. um, you know, and just kind of utilizing what what is nece- necessary to tell the story, whether that's just chairs. You know, or whether that's a, a very kind of framed, um, you know, uh, outline of what a house could be. Um, but I just like telling the story um, as as truthful as it can be. And sometimes a big kind of, you know, production or big kind of house, um, you know, or kind of living room set can almost take away from that. Um, you know, but I just, I, I, I just like telling stories and making sure that the audience um, gets taken away by something, you know, from the, the show. How, so in that in that sort of realm of questioning, how how do you decide what is necessary? Is it what the playwright says, or are there elements to a show that you realize sort of in a rehearsal process? Like maybe I do need to have X, Y, and Z, or you know, when when do you decide on that stuff? Is it just organic, or is it right away? Um, I I, I kind of have my vision going into it, but I really uh, value the initial um, you know table reads and conversations um, because those you know can often uh, at least for me I kind of sway you know one you know either factor or just one kind of um, decision that I initially had or how you know may make me rethink you know what that um, yeah. that overarching quote goal is. Um, but yeah, I, I usually try and come in with something that, you know, is at least moves me. That's why if I choose a play or, you know, if I am choosing to support it, you know, as, um, you know, and schedule and helping schedule a season, you know, there's something that, um, you know, resonates with me. And whether I'm, if, I, if I'm not telling that story, we hire the director that's, that is going to, you know, hire, um, is going to tell that story correctly. You know, it's like, what am I taking away from it personally? Uh, why UNT? What made UNT the the appealing place to be and and continues to be appealing to you? Um, you know, I ironically I didn't um I wasn't a very good student when it came to picking my my college. Uh, my my partner um, 
kind of did all the work for for us. Um, and UNT is very uh, special in the way that they have two. Uh, right now, they currently have two um, Briley resident acting companies, which are company members at, for the, at the Dallas Theater Center. Um, they have two of those uh, company members on their, their full-time staff. So you have two um, professional actors that are working at the, the highest possible, you know, kind of level in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in terms of a, a Lort Theater on their their staff um and then additionally it, it was just it felt right with me it, it felt very um liberal and very um community friendly without feeling as large as maybe ut you know did for me and that was important because i wanted to be in classes that um, professors knew my name you know where i can actually build uh meaningful relationships with with professors um and not that um, I, you know, you can't get that experience from other uh, institutions. It just kind of felt like it was the right uh, place for me all around. You know, I, when I did my my freshman orientation, there was just a certain energy that felt very communal, but also uh, encouraging for students to just ultimately be their best. Um, or if they just wanted to attend classes, they can also do that. You know, um, and I think it was also just the proximity to to Dallas. So then, you know, UNT is over in Denton, which is about a 40, 45 minute drive to Dallas um, and Fort Worth. So you have, you know, theater, you know, and your left and your right, per se. You know, we're able to go see different works at all the different kind of um, professional houses in the area. So you uh, you said you graduated when you were 20. What what type of did that create some challenges for you when you moved away, went to Cleveland and, uh, you know, I, I hear jokes about, um, you know, I'm going to deal with this with my daughter cause she's going to be 17 when she graduates high school. And people are like, that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to have to deal with being 17 and not 18 when you enter college. Cause there are just some different challenges. Was there anything that kind of stands out for you not being sort of at that benchmark of a 20 of the 21, uh, when you went away and had to ultimately decide on your your immediate future? Uh, yes and no. I, I turned 21 right before I got there. So all of a sudden I was like, great, you got to go to the bars and you get to go to the clubs. Um, you know, it's like, and I get to be carded. Um, but it, it was in that, that kind of, that transition for me. You know, it's I'm no longer in Texas. It's a different state. I'm no longer... Um, with people that um, necessarily look like me or, or kind of have a, a Texan or, or Valley mentality, you know, it, it was a, it, it kind of forced me to to grow up and to make choices in terms of, okay, I need to feed myself, you know, and at that time, um, we were, you know, they provided a that I, I chose that apprenticeship because they provided housing um, and all kind of living expenses covered. Um, and we received a, a weekly salary. I mean, that, that salary was $100 a week, which isn't much. You know, and for some people, they really struggled because they needed to pay their car insurance, you know. And um, I'm very fortunate and very privileged that my parents were able to take on some of those bills in terms of um, my insurance and my phone bill. But there are some folks that that $100 needed to to last them, you know. Um, but even for me, it's, you know, it's okay, I need to make sure that I have food for the, the remainder of the week. Um my schedule there in Cleveland, 
usually started around one or two and then ended around 10. So kind of still working those eight hours, but later on in the evening, uh, which was uh, its own mental challenge of just kind of dealing with the fact that it gets dark at like 530. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, seasonal depression is real, you know, and it's, it's starting to, to buy those kind of lamps just so I can feel some kind of warmth and feel alive in the middle of the day um, or rather the, the middle of the evening. Um, but yeah, it just kind of forced me to 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 grow up and to not necessarily fend for myself, but to to start thinking, you know, the, the, all of my my actions, whether I'm going to have, you know, spend more money drinking one night, you know, it's going to affect if I'm going to um, eat, you know, or if I, if I need to stretch out a certain meal, um, you know, for for two three days. So it just kind of started making me think a little bit more uh, beyond me you know, in terms of the, my, my, um, my, um, my immediate needs, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense. You become resourcefulness. Yeah. 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 So what, speaking of your parents, what, I mean, did they, it seems like they supported you when you decided theaters, the path that I want. I mean, is that, is that true? You don't, you seem to be, uh, speaking positively of them. So. Yeah. My, uh, I think it's because my, my parents or my, my mom oversaw fine arts for so many yeah. years. It just kind of felt um, like it was naturally supported. Uh, when I was little, um, my aunt used to take care of us and she worked at a dance studio. Um, and so they said, well, you already have your three boys here. Might as well put them in dance. But I think my dad had to, uh, was more frustrated by, by that when we were, <laughs> you know, growing up. So I think when he said he saw that I was going to study theater, and I was like, okay, you know, it's like, well, you're, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I've, I've always been resourceful in making sure that all of my, um, my, my work gets, you know, put to use. So I, I don't think there was any ever kind of doubt that I, I think that some parents may have about getting a theater degree. It's like, what are you going to do with that? Because um, I knew that there was an entire industry that was just more than acting on stage. Uh what is it uh, about education? Why why do you want to go into education? And be careful, because <laughs> some people, you know, some future bosses may be listening. You know, I'm huge in the uh, in the boss world. <laughs> um, it, this pandemic that we just you know we're still living in, and but it's also kind of moved out and um, really opened my eyes to a lot of the work that educators were doing and not only serving as a, um, you know, as an educator, but oftentimes as that um, second counselor, that second resource for just basic essentials for students. Um, and I, I was able to communicate with a lot of um, um, educators on that, that more personal level because a lot of our work was remotely, you know, and uh, we, from Karamia's perspective, we're uh, rolled out, you know, a series of virtual programs. So we were reaching more teachers than we ever had before. So really hearing the, I don't know if the, the struggles was it, but just their, their passion and their genuinely love, their genuine love for, for helping their students started really resonating with me. And over the last, you know, few years, I've been, you know, more interested and more interested. And I, I think the one listening to your podcast and attending a TXETA um, this past, you know, fall really 
kind of made me take that decision uh, seriously or that those kind of thoughts in my head seriously and say, I, I want to do this. I want to make sure I want to have a little bit of, um, uh, you know, a, a impact on somebody's life, you know, with, in, in the classroom. Uh, you know, I think that the arts education is is necessary or should be valued more across all kind of, you know, 1A, 2A, 3A, 6A campuses. Um, because it's, I may, I, I saw that, that um, um, I saw myself reflected in a lot of the students that were there, you know, at that conference, and said, okay, I, I'm ready to, to, I'm, I'm ready to take that that next step in my life. Is there a is there a part of you that kind of drives you? You know, I was just, we can talk about this off uh, the record eventually uh, once we're done. But um, there's something that I've tried to. I've got in the works that is hoping to serve uh, some of the Valley, the El Paso, um, uh, some of the underserved. I'm not going to say underprivileged. It's just underserved. And some of that has to do with geography. It has nothing to do with anything other than they're just far away. Uh, Texas is big. Um, but is there a part of you that wants to make sure that you are doing this to serve those populations in those areas or is it just I want to get out there and be an educator and, and just make a difference I don't care who's whose life I'm I'm helping or changing I just want to do it uh, I I've already told myself that one of the if I'm going to accept a teaching job the first job's going to be in the valley okay the Rio Grande Valley um, one it's there is a rich um, theater uh, you know, culture down there, um, you know, it's mainly there at the the kind of the larger schools, but also, you know, I, I saw that the the state competition this past year, the four or five and the six eight competitions, I believe it was um, um, the, one of the Valley schools that performed a zoot suit there and just seeing the students uh, feel a sense of pride, you know, want to be competing at the top, you know, eight schools in the state, um, but just also pride of their um, their identity. Um, said, okay, I want I need to teach in the valley um, because a lot of students, you know, don't know what the the statistic is now. But you know, back when I was in high school, I think Brownsville was on the top list of uneducated cities in America. You know, so it's okay that what does that mean in terms of resources, like you said, or, um, you know, opportunities. And I know now there's um, different programs or different opportunities in Harlingen that may have like a performing arts type of conservatory, you know, or that they have um, larger kind of communal uh, productions, you know, or they, a lot of students are not going to turn into the community theater, you know, so now it's, I don't know if I'm, I'm making sense, but I, I just want to, to to you know to to play a part in in providing more opportunities or just bringing more awareness of our the theater opportunities for students that that live in the valley. All right, so this interruption is your tech tip. Uh, this week's tech tip is more the UIL One Act Play tip. I've already talked to a number of directors about what's allowed, what's this, what's that, and I will say this: uh, check your twenty sixth edition of the UIL One Act Play. Uh, guidelines, right? And always check that. It is sometimes intentionally vague, okay? It is sometimes intentionally vague. Now, you can always, and I highly recommend you should always email Paula Rodriguez 
and get clarification, even if it's something that is mundane and dumb and you just think that it's a dumb question to ask, uh, you are not wasting her time. She is there for you. Uh, even I had to text her this week because I had an issue uh, and she was quick to respond and checked up on the resolution and all that stuff. So she is there for you, but don't feel like you are bothering her uh, and make sure you are checking that that handbook though, because it does have a lot of very useful information and laid out very well. Uh, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it, um, you know, I've talked with, and I'm sure you might, you may have talked with Luis Munoz. Luis Munoz is like a hardcore big time source and advocate for getting to these underserved areas, um, that really we're just, it's, it's very difficult to do. And I know like Texas Thespians has made an attempt and, and successfully has done, excuse me, has successfully been out to like El Paso to, uh, do their leadership conferences and they have junior festival out there. Uh, you know, it's a pared down version, so it's not expensive, but, um, that it hasn't, not a lot has happened down, (laughs) down in the Valley, it's almost like we go to Corpus or somebody goes to Corpus and they're like, well, we're close enough. Um, and that's, sure. you know, that's become uh, sort of a, a bone of contention in, in my mind because we're not close. You know, it's still not that close. Uh, if they're not making their way to Houston um, uh, or, or, or even like a Galveston, they're not going to – Corpus is not that much better. Um, it's still a trek. And so uh, – the- you know, there's something interesting there, um, yeah. and it's not an, an attack on you or the way that these the the different conferences are are scheduled. But if folks from Lubbock are able to make their way to Galveston, you know, or folks from you know um, Corpus are able to make their way to you know Rockwall, you know, it's like is is, is McAllen not an option? Mm. You know, um, and to to say that um, and. And you can completely delete the section off from the, yeah. the interview. It's up to but you. But the, um, um, you know, it's like what, by saying that we have less um, or that we're going to have a, a condensed version, does that actually not do a disservice to the students and the, the right. teachers that are there? You know, it's like a lot of the Valley schools and the high school that I went to, and I think all of the high schools in Brownsville have one high school director, you know, to, to compete, you know, and I think that's probably why, um, you know, some some schools haven't advanced in the, the last few years. You know, outside of their their kind of area, um, just because it's it's like you said, underfunded or under resourced um, opportunities like that. Yeah. You know, um, and mind you, there's also I, I think some things that need to happen um, with the more valuing the fine arts at, at the district level. You know, in order to to um, support artists that want to go to professional development, you know, such as in, in Galveston or in, in the Dallas area and the grapevine, you know, kind of conferences. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's just a, a, an interesting kind of um, uh, opportunity to continue expanding the work, you know, and I think that's why, you know, I, I when I'm going to school right now, I, it's to, though it's quote a master's, you know, I want to be, be good at what I'm, I'm doing. So, you know, the, the idea of getting a, either an MA and, and um, you know, an education, an educational theater, um, or you know, pursuing a you know another master's in educational leadership in order to kind of take that transition, um, or to help transition that mentality in the valley, you know, is is something that's definitely crossed my mind. 
Yeah, and and I 100% agree with you. I think part of the pare down, at least initially, to go to El Paso uh, for Texas Thespians was just to see if there's a an interest in it, and and there mm-hmm. was, and I think that so I think it's going to build up over the next couple of years, and you know, so long as there's an interest, they'll keep going. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, I think it was just the 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 financial element of it, and also you know, with some of these things since there are students involved, I'm sure there are other elements. I, I do think that something needs to go south. You know, I know this is a deeper conversation than, <laughs> than people, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, uh, but I do think that something needs to go south. Um, I think West is uh, viewed as a little different than the South. Um as far as like, why not go to McAllen or, or places like that, uh, compared to El Paso? I just, you know, there's something that sounds bigger about El Paso, especially to Texans. You know, we, we know mm-hmm. El Paso, you know, it's, uh, what they were even in the Pace Picane, uh, ads for so many years in the nineties. And so, you know, there's just something about that area that's just bigger, more commercial, I guess. Right. Um, than there is with McAllen and uh, uh, Harlingen and, and things like that. So it's interesting. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to get down there and do more work down there personally. Uh, it's just, um, well, we'll talk in a minute. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk off the record. Uh, so when you um, you mentioned that when you were uh, when you came back here from Cleveland, which by the way. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cleveland, especially because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But um, you know, I don't know if you if you went or not. But uh, on your hundred dollars a week, but um, <laughs> but uh, Cleveland's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool town. But when you came back here, you you had quite the title. So much, you know, your job title. So much so that you kind of you know for a second forgot it because it's was like a ten word title. But uh, did you feel some sort of pressure? as a 21 22 year old at that point you know you would probably call a 21 year old a kid um now uh did you feel some sort of pressure as kind of like they're putting a lot of responsibility on me uh were you confident enough to to do those jobs or or was there a stress a little bit did you have any sort of uh imposter syndrome at any point or i mean like how how was that for you being so young uh, never imposter syndrome, um, but I I think there there at the beginning, you know. Or let let me start by saying that um, our staff has always been small, which is one nonprofit theater, you know, and it's not culturally specific in the the fact that nonprofit theaters, you know, and small um, uh, or institutions um, have a small staff, right? So by having those kind of multiple responsibilities. Um, made me kind of have, you know, I, I spent late nights those first couple of months to say, I need to understand one, the organization, but, you know, the, there's a lot of work that needs to be done just in order to, to have a, a fundraising campaign, you know, in order to break down, um, um, you know, different kind of contacts or just the way that we're reaching out to schools. There's a lot of legwork that needs to, to, to be done. Um, you know, and sometimes it's like, even now we'll have days where, it feels like we're working seven days a week, you know, or, or um, you know, even though we'll, we'll get in the office late at 11 o'clock, we're still going to be at rehearsal there till, you know, 11 o'clock at night. So, um, 
never imposter syndrome, but just kind of, um, I think that that pressure, I, I put that pressure on myself because um, as a culturally, you know, specific organization that serves communities of color, um, you know, it's like that that work is is necessary, you know, and if if we're not, if I, I felt the beginning of I'm not doing my work or my part in order to contribute, you know, there's going to be um, students that aren't going to be able to to benefit off of our services. Do you do you know Claudia Vasquez? Uh, what is her married name? Claudia Jenkins uh, Ramirez. Uh, Claudia DeVasco. Claudia DeVasco. Uh, which that's her. That's that's her married name. But Claudia Vasquez. She is at the public in uh, San Antonio. Um, yes, I I believe she just uh, started that position. Yeah, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's been about a year now. But yeah, mm-hmm. she she's the artistic director over there. Anyway, she. Um, she and I went to high school together, uh, so we we've known each other for quite a long time. But um, you two need to hook up because uh, <laughs> you know you guys have uh, very similar mindsets and very similar styles, and and from just what I understand. But yeah, I need to get you two uh, sort of uh, hooked up and 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 talking to each other. But um, she's an awesome person, and she's doing really amazing work for that theater in San Antonio and it's work that's kind of, uh, late, I guess. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what took, it's not her fault, but I don't know what Mm -hmm. took, uh, so long for some of that to be recognized in that city, especially because it's just like, right. You know, again, I mean, it's San Antonio. I mean, I think that this past year they, that they just started introducing or suddenly had their first productions of, you know, I think it was, um, May have been Barrio Girl, you know, by Roxanne Schroeder Arce, and then I think American Mariachi in that yeah. space, you know. So it's to have to say these are the first kind of uh, quote, you know, Latin X, Latino, Latina, Latine place that we are doing in the space in San Antonio, especially with their long history. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of mind boggling, but I think that that's also a um, a um, a converse, a larger conversation uh, just about city ran you know or city entities or you know city got funded um or, or city departments you know right. through like the, the their office of arts and culture you know what does that mean you know and it's and we have these conversations all the time in dallas you know internally it's like okay what do um, certain actions or certain programs actually mean for the larger you know picture for the city of dallas uh i was looking at the um Carmia, and I'm saying that wrong. I'm saying a very white Jewish white boy, but um, you you have this uh, on the website. It's like mm-hmm. right there, the very first picture being, and I don't know if you can see behind oh, wrong hand. I don't know if you can see behind me, but all these are wrestling figures. Um, so, <laughs> and you have this, I guess, uh, luchadora, a female mm-hmm. luchador picture. Uh, what is this? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So. Uh- it's kind of wild to think it was at the beginning of this year. Uh, we produced a luchadora by Alvaro Sar uh, Rios, um, you know, and I think a lot of schools may be familiar with um, the play. But um, yeah, we we produced luchadora um, with an exclamation point at the end of of the name uh. at the end of the title. Um, but you know, we that was one of the shows that. I don't think I've ever been more stressed about in my life, but that's just because we were going on the, I think the Omicron virus, the, uh, 
you know, the the variant. So it's the amount of testing, the amount of money we spent on testing, but just, you know, the amount of work that was being put into it to make sure that we can do the production successfully and have an actual run. Um, you know, if, if we did, we ended up having only doing three public performances, right. you know, that all had um, pretty full, if not sold out houses, you know, but even that, that last performance, I was like, please, everybody test negative. It's like, it'd be a shame if we, you know, did all this work just to, for it to get canceled that last performance. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did it earlier in, in January. Um, I think it opened around, um, or it started in, in January and then it opened around Valentine's okay. uh, weekend or, or week. It looks really cool. Uh, I need to read up on that one because, uh, I mean, I would never do it at my school. My school doesn't do plays that have any sort of challenging content. <laughs> I don't know, Blake. Beauty and the Beast. They got a whole wolf scene in there. Yeah, we, you know, we, the, you know, we got to cut it. back of Notre Dame. <laughs> well, that wasn't my school. That was, oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a side. That's my side piece. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, I, I will have to uh, read up on this. We're struggling to get almost main produced. So, you know, if that's, oh. uh, yeah, 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 that's a whole other story too. Yeah. Uh, well, the good thing is that we uh, we filmed it professionally and have it av- available oh, for nice. distribution. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, the. Um, we hired Gloria Vivica Benavides, who is a professional actor and, and director in, in Dallas. Um, and then she um, moved on. She, in the middle of the show, was like, I just got a great opportunity to go work with Brian Quijada on a brand new um, musical somewhere over the border. Um, and so at that point, the assistant director, uh, Chris Ramirez, who's also a member of the, the Dallas Theater Center's company, um, took on as the the kind of uh, co-director right. on that. And Chris is a big uh, Lucha Libre, WWE uh, fan. So he was like, this is my wheelhouse. I got this going. The, yeah. the, the fight choreographer was an actual, you know, Lucha Libre wrestler. So it, it was a great show. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like that's the kind of show I would <laughs> I would really uh, I would excel with. Uh, maybe I could direct that one because you know I used to do some backyard wrestling back in my day, so uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'd be really good. Um, well, I want to get you out on out of here on on a couple more things. Um, what is it that from your, your professional side of things, your professional world, whether that be business or artistic? Uh, that you know that you will struggle with when you enter education. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, I, I came from a performing arts high school, and that was really the apex of my education in theater at, that, at the point when I entered education. Not that UH wasn't a great space for me. It's just it wasn't HSPVA. Um, and so I struggled my first couple of years with, I want everything to be HSPVA. I want it to be exactly how I learned. And that just wasn't reality. Um, Cause there's a reason there's an HSPVA and then the rest of the world. So what right. is it that you, you think you might kind of enter education with kind of knowing I might have a tough time letting go of this or trying to convert this into education in the, into the educational world. Um, I, I think if, if there's any, going to be any problem or any kind of difficulties is when it comes to patients, you know, okay. the last few uh, years, uh, you know, 
and get to write, help write the contracts and make offers to professional actors. So all of a sudden to, to get that into, you know, high school students that like me, I'm sure we're, are balancing, you know, all the different extracurricular activities and, you know, for some of them having to put, be an additional, um, you know, a parent figure in their household, you know, I think it's going to be the, the patients and just making sure that there's room for flexibility in there. You know, I, um, uh, I think they're they're um, I have a, a good sense of, of of timing and kind of knowing where we are, you know, on, on this projects. But yeah, I think that's just going to be something for me to um, to have to to reconfigure my brain around. Just making sure that you know if, if we need an extra week, you know, for production or for you know or if, you know to start working on things. You know, how does that that kind of um, that um, kind of insight, you know, start affecting other things? You know, it's like, okay, am I gonna have to adjust here? Where am I gonna adjust? So, I think that'll be kind of the my spot to yeah. to to grow on. And then uh, finally, what um, what is it? I'm trying to figure out the the question I have is in my head, and it and it has to do with the 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 final steps you think you need to take to be to excel in education to excel in a classroom to excel uh, as a as an educational director and I don't know what the question is <laughs> I don't know how to sure. frame it but I, but it, it's kind of uh, sometimes I sometimes my brain does not want to work uh, but I, I I guess I I'm wondering from you because I did just have a conversation with somebody uh, on the podcast actually about how alternative certification is completely different than when I went through it in 2007. Um, and my wife at the same, about the same time, a year later. But it was, we had 10 days, we watched videos of Harry Wong. Um, and like, after that, we took a content test and we, we that was pretty much it. You know, I think we had a pedagogy test a year later. Um, or we did, I don't think we did, we did. Uh, so that was like, the, those were the steps of, of learning how to be an educator. What do you, what do you think, what are the, like the personal things that Matthew wants to do before you ultimately take that leap? Cause you've already started, you've already started running towards the cliff. What mm-hmm. is it that, that, that you want to make sure you get before you, you, you jump off? Does that make sense? Is that, oh, I mean, it, it, it does. Um, my brain but, is you know, weird. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the what well, a program's you know from what you're describing seems a lot different now. Yes. You know, I I'm doing I'm trying to to a majority of my assignments now, but because of you know one being in grad school, but it also feels like I'm getting another like I'm getting another master's in terms yeah. of the the content or the work. Um, you know, it could also be that I'm I'm in the middle of moving, but you know, it does require time to do all these different modules. Yeah. You know, and then to to take the in the PPR test before you're able to take the content test, or you know, it's um, you know, I I'm enjoying my um, my time doing it slowly. Yeah. You know, I I am very fortunate to to be. Um, you know, uh, an adjudicator through Tatao this upcoming spring semester. Uh, so I, I'm not going to be accepting any uh, positions, you know, in the spring. So that means that I'm going to take my time to really do that certification program versus like trying to rush it in, right. you know, a month or two, just because I'm trying to get a job. You know, I'm, that's not my goal. So I, I'm trying to be as intentional and as um, 
um, mindful as possible to make sure I'm taking my time to that. Again, I'm giving the best to my you know, future students, yeah. you know, whether that's just practices or theories, but, you know, it doesn't do anybody, um, it, it's just a disinterest to, to, you know, those future students if I'm kind of rushing through, you know, their, their possible, you know, um, teacher and, you know, learning how to develop or, or how to, you know, formulate my curriculum around TEKS and, and all, and all that. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to end on that. That was boring. Not that, not the part that you said, but I mean, that's not inspiration. I don't feel inspired. So let's end with something a little more inspirational. Sure. Not that what you said, <laughs> that was rude, <laughs> but it wasn't, your answer wasn't boring. Okay. Uh, I just, I like to end with, uh, inspiration and, sure. uh, you know, here's why you should do what you do. You are smart. Um, you seem Thank to you. have everything kind of figured out and you are someone that comes across as, I know what I want, here's how I'm going to get it. Uh, and I'm going to take the proper, uh, steps and the time and all that stuff to, to achieve my goals. You also seem like somebody that might get bored, um, with, <laughs> cause I'm that same way. So let's, if you were to make a 10, 15, 20 year plan, and I, again, I, I don't want this to incriminate you in any way and, and be like, well, he said that in 15 years, he's going to be doing this. So, uh, uh, let's hold him to it. Um, but what, what is it that's going to keep you, um, keep your taste for the arts and education and theater and even trombone playing, what is it that's going to keep you kind of uh, involved and interested and passionate? Uh, do you do you have an answer for that, or do you not know until you kind of need to to approach that bridge? Uh, one, I probably won't know until I get there. But in, in theory, in the theory of it all, you know, I um, I'm always looking to better myself. You know, whether that means becoming I uh, go and, you know, getting a PhD one day in, in 15 years, um, whether that means becoming a, um, a director of fine arts or a supervisor in that kind of, you know, capacity. Um, I just want to make sure that I am always putting my best self forward and uh, making sure that uh, students that I'm going to impact have the best possible uh, teacher, administrator, uh, confidant that they, you know, that they will have. Minor wisdom.